This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 5th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The president's suggested budget contains an increase of several billion dollars above currently imposed spending caps. He's also called for a continuation of what's known as overseas contingency operations. The Cato Institute's Ben Friedman says the OCO spending avoids basic fiscal responsibility and enhances executive power. The White House asked for $534 billion uh, for uh, the Pentagon for uh, fiscal year 2016, plus another $50 billion for the Pentagon from the Overseas Contingency Operation Operations Funding, the war funding, which is uh, off books. And uh, it's sort of a ritual in Washington, D.C. to have a, a budget day where we talk at great length uh, about the president's budget request as if it's writ. But of course, it's only a request. It's, it's not law. Congress writes laws. And uh, it's especially true this year that it's, it's uh, only a request because, of course, the Republicans now control both houses of Congress. So everyone understands that it's going to be a negotiation uh, and that the president is not going to get uh, what he wants on this on this budget request. So it's a little bit uh, confused to sort of treat the budget request as uh, a sacrosanct document that we should evaluate every aspect of. Besides that, uh, the budget is $35 billion over the budget cap set by uh, law. Uh, that's the sequestration cap, the, the amount of money that uh, if, if the Defense Department spends more than that in fiscal year 2016, then they get sequestered back to that amount. So without a real plan that's uh, likely to attract bipartisan support to change that law uh, that sets the cap, uh, we can't really take this request seriously. At least we have to say, well, you're not going to get those $35 billion that are over uh, over the line. And it seems unlikely that they'll uh, change the the cap, maybe they'll get a slight increase as they have in the past, but it seems unlikely to really change. Overseas contingency operations, what does that term mean precisely and why is it important that it's not on the books? It means uh, sort of whatever the uh, White House and the Pentagon and the Office of Management and Budget want it to mean, but uh, it's what it's supposed to be is an emergency fund for wars and uh, military crises. That's uh, what the language uh, creating it back and when we started bombing Afghanistan uh, said. Uh, and it's evolved a bit, but uh, particularly since the passage of the Budget Control Act and the implementation of austerity enforced by uh, sequestration, uh, it's become kind of a dumping ground uh, for base Pentagon funds uh, that really ought to be in the normal budget, which is capped. But because the war budget isn't capped, you can sort of hide money there. It's off books. Accounting, so uh, it's a bit of a evasion of uh, fiscal discipline in that way. And besides that, it enables executive power. I don't think people understand this well enough that when you have a, a pot of money sitting around that the president can use for bombing people or special operations activities in different countries that might be lethal, uh, drone strikes, that. Uh, money is enabling him to do that without congressional oversight or consent. So I think it's uh, 
high time with the war in Afghanistan ended that we got rid of this. There's a little money needed for fixing up equipment that was damaged in the war, but we've been doing that all along. There's a little money needed for the 10,000 troops or so that remain in Afghanistan, but it's not the full 50 billion uh, that the president requested, uh, nor does the money for Syria and Iraq, whatever you think about that, justify the rest of the spending. A bunch of that money, maybe half, is just uh, should be in the base Pentagon budget. The White House says they want to get rid of uh, this uh, OCO spending uh, starting next year and uh, ending in 2020, which will be the fourth year of whoever of the administration of whoever is the next president of the United States. So I think it's sort of useless to ask for things in the next uh, administration and not uh, implement discipline now. And I think both the president and the Congress are sort of guilty of. Uh, the tendency to uh, call for austerity and then evade it as much as possible. You know, the St. Augustine uh, quote from his wayward youth, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet, Lord, uh, seems to describe the behavior of our leaders pretty well. So with respect to uh, sequestration, these were budget caps that were put in place, signed into law by President Obama. And uh, when I believe early on, when it was suggested that some members of his own party and Republicans might want to bust those caps, he said very clearly, no, we won't do that. Right. I mean, sequestration uh, was intended to be a poison pill that would force a compromise uh, through the initially the, the super committee uh, because it was supposed to be so unpalatable that uh, everyone would prefer uh, a compromise. But uh, that didn't happen. And uh, we had sequestration uh, in fiscal year 2013 of about, uh, for the Department of Defense, about ultimately $40 billion were cut. But uh, in, in subsequent years, we've avoided it because uh, the, partially because the Ryan Murray budget deal uh, increased the size of the caps. And then for two years, the Pentagon managed to be under those caps. So there was really no sequestration. Uh, and it's an intentional bit of confusion that our leaders, particularly the White House, engage in to say that it, these caps are the same thing as sequestration because it allows them to pretend that we have this dumb across the board spending cut as long as this law is in place uh, as a way to sort of try to get out from under the law uh, which they signed. But if they were to submit a budget, as they have not done this year, that was below the cap, below for the Pentagon this year, $498 billion. They have as much discretion as they want to move money around as long as Congress goes along with it. And they obscure that fact because they'd rather scream about how bad things are than make some actual choices uh, that are somewhat politically difficult uh, to get the Pentagon under the cap number. What's happened as a result of uh, this evasion of discipline, both by using the war account uh, as a slush fund uh, that uh, takes care of things that ought to be in the base budget and uh, as a result of uh, submitting a budget this year that's substantially over the cap amount is you evade choices that ought to be made uh, and that would allow uh, the Pentagon to be more efficient. So, for example, the uh, Obama administration following the Bush administration and really everyone who's, who's been involved in running the Pentagon has been begging Congress to let them control 
benefits uh, for service members and uh, pay raises uh, because the, the personnel costs in both those categories have just been eating more and more of the Pentagon budget every year. So we're losing fighting power even within a, a stable budget because more of that stable budget is going just to paying people and paying their health care. And the benefits are very generous. And the, the, the co-pays uh, and the fees for TRICARE uh, have barely gone up and uh, Congress refused to, refuses to let uh, the White House do that. And I think that uh, with the wars ending, it's high time uh, that they went along with that. Congress refuses, despite repeated requests uh, from the White House, to have another round of BRAC of uh, the base uh, realignment and closure process that uh, shuts down excess military bases because of parochialism. Uh, we, Despite all the stuff you hear about the terrible austerity that the Pentagon is suffering, if you look at the big procurement programs, littoral combat ship, F-35 joint strike fighter, um, and down the line, uh, these programs continue. They continue to, uh, in, in both those cases, I think, to waste a lot of Money. So, uh, although we're cutting the size of the army a bit and making some uh, trims to uh, the cost of all the uh, all, all our forces, we're not making the big choices that we would uh, really without hurting our security if uh, we exercised a bit of austerity. And I think actually um, because the government, including the Pentagon, is not driven by market processes, it kind of needs austerity now and then to get rid of waste. A, you know, a, a market-based uh, organization, a corporation, uh, has to strain itself to uh, reduce spending uh, because it wants to maximize profits. The, of course, in the government, you don't have that. And uh, the fluctuation of budgets, however, creates a, a kind of a similar thing where uh, because these services have priorities, you know, the Army wants to buy a lot of uh, fighting units and tanks, the Air Force wants fighter aircraft and so forth, uh, when they get squeezed uh, on austerity on which budget caps do, uh, it forces them to cut away at some of the waste and some of the overhead uh, that they other might, otherwise might let slide. But uh, because of uh, these difficulties I've been talking about that the services and the Pentagon in general have been evading that. I mean, we were totally overstaffed at the combatant commands uh, and uh, a lot of other headquarters. We have way too many high-level generals in the Pentagon. So there's still a lot of things we can do to cut the Pentagon uh, even before we talk about, well, let's re really reevaluate the missions, which is what we really need to do to save money. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more on how Congress should and should not spend your money at Cato.org.